Right Report, a podcast from the Master Executive Council of JetBlue Alpha for the Union Pilots of JetBlue. Now from New York, Ride Report. Hello, and welcome to the Ride Report podcast from the B6 Alpha MEC. I'm Mike Kendrick, and I'm filling in for J.R. Hall, who is in training at the moment. Since most of you probably don't know me, allow me to introduce myself. I'm a captain in the 320 and JFK, and have been with JetBlue for almost 10 years. In 2014, when we unionized, I was the first communication chairman for the JetBlue MEC. After two years, I stepped down as chairman, but remained on the committee as well as working on the fatigue committee. But enough about me. In today's broadcast, we are joined by the system scheduling chairman, Scott Gelhoff, and grievance vice chairman, Charlie Kamiski. In order to discuss the nuances and details of emergency assignments, disruptive pairings, and extended pairing segments. Welcome, everyone. Uh, Hi, Mike. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Glad to be here. If you gentlemen wouldn't mind, please take a moment to introduce yourself and if you would include any of your volunteer experience. Uh, Sure. Uh, This is Scott Galhoff. I'm the uh, system uh, scheduling chairman. Uh, I've been doing scheduling work at uh, this carrier since uh, the contract was uh, actually since ALPA came on property and then uh, for other carriers uh, as well. I became the scheduling chairman about two years ago and uh, have been doing that since. All right. And I'm uh, Charlie Comiskey. I've, uh, I'm also an Airbus captain in JFK. I've been on the professional standards committee since we stood the committee up and uh, until recently when I took over as vice chair of the grievance committee. I've been uh, on the grievance committee for about uh, two and a half years. Great. All right, guys. Well, let's uh, jump in. Um, these three topics, emergency assignments, disruptive pairings, and extended pairing segments. How frequently are pilots getting confused uh, between these? And uh, is it one of the hot button items you guys are dealing with? Uh, I would say we get a lot of confusion about uh, whether it's a disrupted pairing or an emergency assignment. Um, there's a lot of how are they going to get me back on my trip or what the, what are they going to do to me from a scheduling uh, standpoint for sure. Okay. Um, and Charlie, uh, is this an item that frequently rises to the level of grievance or is it typically resolved through Rainmaker or the chief pilot's office? I would say that uh, these days everything's a little more mature. The pilots are a little more sophisticated with it as is the company. So it's pretty rare for this to come to a actual grievance. Those are generally reserved for situations that uh, are one-offs, we like to call them, where we no one really foresaw how this would interact and we need to work it through the grievance to figure out what it uh, actually, where it should fall. Most are resolved with a proper Rainmaker comment and a, possibly a trip to the chief pilot's office in order for them to fix it. Right. Okay. So each of these are quite different from uh, one another, and each has its own pay implications. And also the rights of the pilots are defined differently in the CBA, depending on the scenario. So perhaps it would be easiest to sketch each one separately. Let's start with the uh, emergency assignment. And we'll start with what is an emergency assignment and how does a pilot know they are emergency assigned? Uh, Okay, so emergency assignment and disruption are both uh, defined in the CBA under 25X uh, for disruptions and 25Y for emergency assignments. 
the easiest way to think of it is, is the problem uh, happening to me that's causing the disruption? In other words, uh, I have a mechanical or there's weather for me, my aircraft's running late, et cetera. Uh, that's, a, that's a disruption. If it's happening to another pilot and they're having an issue that causes me to have to fly their legs, uh, that's an emergency assignment. Also, uh, theoretically, when, when crew schedule gives you uh, uh, an emergency assignment, they should be telling you that it, that it is. Okay, great. Um, is there a limit to how often a pilot can be emergency assigned? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, the limit is two per rolling 12 months, uh, and we highly recommend that the pilots keep track of these uh, themselves as well. Uh, the company keeps track of it, but they don't publish that information anywhere, and they don't publish it to the pilot. So the only way for you to know uh, is to keep track of it yourself. Um, you can also ask crew scheduling, uh, hey, how many of these do I have in the last 12 months when they're giving you the next one? But it's certainly easier to keep that uh, like on your phone calendar or something. Okay, great. Um, and what about a pilot uh, returning to the original schedule pairing? Does that have to happen? Uh, under under an EA, no. Uh, under It's under uh, 25Y4. Uh, of the CBA, there's no requirement to return you to your original assignment. Uh, there is a requirement uh, to keep you within your original footprint with some extensions. Uh, you can be extended up to six hours or the end of the calendar day, or you can be uh, extended 24 hours if you're on a flight that requires a route call. So think uh, red line flying or uh, to Europe when we're doing that in the future. Okay. And, um, how was the uh, pilot paid when emergency assigned? Well, to pay for an emergency assignment, you are pay protected on a segment-by-segment basis compared with your OSP. Um, the emergency assignment pay is 150% for all of the legs that are the emer- emergency assignment until they return you to your OSP, if they return you to your OSP. So think of it as an additional 50% which is how it shows up in Rainmaker on top of whatever you do before returning to OSP. I see. And so, Charlie, if you have, uh, you're on a four-day trip, the first two days uh, operate as normal, but the third and fourth day are emergency assigned, you'll only receive pay for the third and fourth day, correct? That is correct. Only the legs that are part of the emergency assignment will pay the emergency assignment pay um, all the way till either the pairing ends or you rejoin your original uh, parent. And is there, uh, before we move on to the next topic, is there anything uh, either one of you want to add uh, about emergency assignments? I would say that a lot of our pilots get uh, confused with uh, how the emergency assignment pay works in comparison to the OSP. One thing a lot of the pilots think is they get pay protected for all the legs that are removed as well as paid the 150% for the new emergency assigned legs, which is not correct. Those are compared, so you get the greater of the two, and you get the emergency assignment rate on the new legs, but you don't get both. Okay, great, thank you. Uh, So let's move on to a disruptive pairing. Obviously, this is a bit different, but some of the same questions uh, would seem to apply. Uh, what is a disruptive pilot, and how is it different from being an emergency assigned? 
Uh, well, as I mentioned before, it, the disruption is when something happens to you directly, right? So uh, this is all defined in 25X1 of the CBA. Uh, and so I'm just going to read it off real quick. So uh, it, you're disrupted. I'm paraphrasing. You're disrupted when one of the following happens. Um, you have a flight cancellation or equipment substitution. Uh, and, and we get a lot of confusion about what equipment, equipment substitution is. It's not a tail swap. It's a uh, up gauge or down gauge. So I'm on the 190, for example. If they change it to a 320, that would be a disruption. Uh, if the pilot has a FAR or contractual legality conflict, projected or actual, so that means you're going to time out or they think you're going to time out. Um, and then finally, uh, the pilot's inbound ETA is less than 35 minutes from departure of the next segment. Uh, at that time, crew services can elect to uh, disrupt you and uh, reschedule you accordingly. Okay, so uh, if it involves something that happens to the pilot's original schedule rather than someone else's, there's probably no limit to how many times the company is allowed to disrupt the pairing. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And what right does the pilot have with regard to release from duty or return to the original schedule pairing? That is a very big question. Um, all of 25X really is what, what deals with that. Um, so... Let me see if I can answer that in, in bits and pieces. Um, we start with how long does the company have to make a, a change? You know, So once I'm disrupted, uh, they've canceled my flight. They have a time limit uh, as to how long they can make that change. Um, the time limit's listed in X2. It is the latter of uh, when the affected segment was canceled. Uh, the time at which I'm supposed to arrive at station for the canceled segment. Uh, so let's say I'm in, I'm in air on the way to that canceled segment uh, to the station where that canceled segment is going to be. And then, uh, or a duty period report time. Uh, so that's when the time limit starts. And then based on that, uh, there's a two, three or four hour uh, time period based on the number of cancellations uh, so under 50 cancellations is two hours, 50 to 200 is three, and then above 200 is four hours. So now once all of that's complete, uh, if the uh, if they have not reached uh, an assignment for, I'm sorry, if they have not made an assignment for you and it's a level one IROP or less and you've reached the time limit, you're just released automatically where you're supposed okay. to be. If it's a level two or three uh, and there's no assignment in jet crew, then you need to contact uh, crew scheduling. Okay, thank you. And what are the pay implications for a pilot whose schedule has been disrupted? Well, they're uh, pretty similar to an emergency assignment. Uh, the difference being that you're not getting an override for the emergency, like we would in the emergency assignment scenario. But you still go by a segment-by-segment segment comparison, starting with the moment of the disruption. And you do that until you either rejoin your OSP or the pairing is complete. And it's important to note for pilots that a segment can be a limo, it can be a deadhead, it can be an operating leg, and they don't have to be the same type or even on the same day across pairing, the pairings in order to do the comparison. This came up a lot with uh, a lot of our COVID modifications. 
um, and disruptions where you maybe had a four-day trip and now all of a sudden that was converted to a three-day trip that now started on your original day two that confused a lot of pilots because when you're doing that leg-by-leg comparison, you're now comparing the, the segment on day one, which is on the new pairing, now day two, but you're still comparing it from the OSP segment one, which was originally a day prior. Um, and you just keep doing that and it's blocker better until you get to the end and there's nothing left to compare to. Yeah. And I'll, I'll throw in just a, a, a little side part to that statement uh, we do get that quite a bit, uh, especially as we're, uh, changing, uh, schedules left and right for, uh, COVID. Um, when, a when a pairing starts on, uh, let's say day one, and then they reschedule you and there's no assignment for day one, they're going to bring you into the loop on day two. Uh, there's a there's a system issue with crew track that requires them to change the pairing number. So instead of having, let's say I had J2000 on day one, uh, you would expect to see J2000A, like alpha, uh, for your pairing modification, but they might have something totally different, like J2R57 or something like that for day two. It's just a limitation of crew track. Okay. Um, and is there, uh, before we move on to the next, uh, section, is there anything either you want to add about disruptive pairings? I would say we get, uh, questions a lot that really resolve around delays. A lot of pilots feel, especially with significant delays that took them well outside their footprint. Um, a delay is not a disruption. Um, so if you're still on your OSP and there haven't been any other changes, a delay even outside your footprint doesn't constitute a disruption. Oh, very interesting. I, I would say uh, our biggest question is when can they, when do they have to return me to OSP and how do they need to do that? And uh, that's all governed by uh, 25X8 and 9. Uh, X8 tells you when they have to return you and it's basically in a uh, level one IROP uh, they need to return you to OSP when you transit base. So if, uh, let's say I'm disrupted, I've already started my trip in, in JFK and I'm disrupted as I start, uh, it doesn't, I'm not in my OSP yet and I'm not, I haven't transited my base, I'm at my base. So I could do an out and back and touch JFK again. And at that point, they have to decide, are they going to use two segments to get me back to my OSP? Or are they going to release me? Um, and then X9 tells you by what combination of segments and uh, hotel overnight um, are they allowed to do to get you back to your OSP. All right. And so finally, we have the extended pairing segment. And uh, what can you tell us about what happens when a pilot's pairing is extended? Uh, well, uh, EPS is a uh, a pretty complicated uh, subject um, from a work rule standpoint uh, under uh, 25x and y uh, nothing's different it's really primarily a pay uh, issue uh, there is one little bullet point in uh, section 3h where all the EPS uh, rules are housed in the contract that uh, talks about um, if the assignment is earlier than the original footprint or the change to your schedule is earlier than the original footprint, that pilot concurrence is required. But other than that, uh, it's all uh, under 25X 
uh, for disrupted pairings. And then the rest of it is really a pay. And that's uh, more of Charlie's world than mine. Okay. What, uh, Charlie, would you, uh, going to discuss the, uh, I know it's a complicated, uh, but explain the, uh, the pay implications of extended pairings. Sure. Uh, EPS is complicated. Uh, they are, there's quite a few iterations of this over the years through the FSM, the CBA, and then through some grievances we've had. So everything is not going to be a one size fits all. And that's what a lot of pilots would like. And I understand that, but it is complicated. Um, the biggest thing I would like pilots to understand is that uh, EPS credit is credit. So a lot of pilots think that if I am owed, let's say, five hours of EPS, um, that's on top of everything that I did on that leg. That's not actually correct. EPS, if you have, let's say you have a, uh, well, I guess we should talk about disrupted versus EA. Um, in a disrupted scenario, it depends how far outside your footprint you are on the back end. Um, so if it's uh, two hours, up to two hours, then it's two, two hours at 200%. Um, if it's greater than that, it's five hours at 200% or whatever you actually did. Um, so if it was a transcon and that leg was, you know, let's say six hours, then it would be six hours of EPS pay. Um EA is different. A EA, no matter how much, if you're on an emergency assignment, then it's always the five hours of EPS, no, even if it's within the two hours. This is all also always based on scheduled at the time of the assignment, uh, not a delay. So at the time that the disruption occurs or the emergency assignment occurs, uh, it's based on that scheduled time, whether the, it's two hours or five hours in a disruption scenario. Um, and that constitutes what the EPS would be. If it's on the front end, it can be as little as one minute, and it's always five hours of EPS minimum for that if you're showing up early, reporting early. Um, if it happens to be greater, again, in the case of a transcon, then you get that as well. If it's a six-hour transcon, you showed up one minute early, then that leg pays the block of that leg at EPS. But again, it's EPS is credit, so it's not EPS plus the block time. Um, it's one or the other. They don't stack. Okay. Uh, and Charlie, could we go back uh, just uh, to clarify on the uh, disruptive pairing? So you had you discussed the two hours, and and is there a five hour? Yeah. As well. Correct. Okay. On the disrupted, and I, I probably talked over that, but the disrupted portion um, is depends on how far outside your footprint you are at the time it's scheduled. So if it's a disrupted pairing under 25X, then the EPS would be up to two hours scheduled outside the footprint of the OSP is two hours of EPS. Anything greater than that is five hours minimum or whatever you actually do. Okay. I appreciate it. So when uh, one of these scenarios occurs, how do you recommend a pilot ensure they have been paid correctly? Um, the first part is to really make sure that your crew track record is correct. That's a piece that a lot of pilots miss. They're not monitoring what crew service is doing, make sure that it was modified correctly within the pairing construction rules. Because when you go into Rainmaker, crew pay only sees what crew services has put on your schedule. 
Um, and you're creating a whole extra step that's going to be a lot harder if that is not correct to begin with. Um, the crew pay folks are not empowered, nor do they have the uh, manpower to dig deeper than what they see on your crew track. So if you've done that, most of these times they can actually, any scenarios with Rainmaker that you have a question can be handled by crew pay by making a comment in Rainmaker. Um, and the more specific you are, the better it is. Okay. And uh, along that lines, if there's a problem, how, how do you suggest the pilot should proceed with getting it corrected? If you've gone back and forth with crew pay and you feel fairly confident in uh, what you think the pay should be, or the credit, I should say, um, you can start with a PDR to the grievance committee for the pay issue. And we can over look it over for you and we can determine what the credit should be. Um, we do need, though, copies of your OSP and your final pairing as it was flown. All the different iterations in between don't matter. They have no bearing on your pay. Only the OSP compared to your final version uh, actually matter for what your credit will be. Um, and then from there, we can give you a good response. And possibly, if we need to, we can run it up the flagpole farther if we're not getting anywhere with crew pay. Um, that's pretty rare, though. Okay, and you might have co covered it, Charlie, but uh, is, there a, is there a recommended wait time between when the event occurs and when a pilot might see it on Rainmaker? Nope, that's a great, uh, great question, um, and I did not cover it. But what really pilots need to give crew pay time to review these, especially in disruption scenarios. Disruption scenarios can be quite complicated. Uh, when everything is put in crew track correctly and the disruption isn't too extreme, Rainmaker does a pretty good job of doing everything automatically. But when there's large IROPs or the disruption is uh, multiple iterations, Rainmaker can get confused and it becomes a very manual process for the crew pay folks. So generally you need to wait until the end of your footprint and that's your OSP footprint. So again, in that situation where you are modified from a four day and now it's a two day and that two day, let's say was the first two days of your original OSP. You need to wait until your OSP on that third and fourth day is complete and then start your clock because that's what crew pay uses. At that point, give them 48 hours to look things over. Uh, and if it's still not correct, then you should be making your uh, comments there. Okay, thanks. Uh, and uh, we're almost ready to wrap this up. And before I do, just want to ask uh, each of you if there's anything you want the pilots to know uh, regarding this or any other issue that you have uh, been facing recently. Uh yeah, I'll say, you know, that the a disruption or an emergency assignment, it touches a lot of uh, parts of the contract, right? There's obviously a pay that, that Charlie's uh, very adept at handling. There's the scheduling issues. There's, uh, you know, hours of service, Section 12. There's pairing construction, which is 25A, uh, disruption, uh, X, and emergency assignment, uh, 25Y. Um if you have any questions at all, if things were handled correctly or if things are not being handled correctly, you can send us a PDR. Um, the best way to get immediate results, though, if you are having an issue, is to call a crew scheduling and just tell them, hey, I don't think this was handled correctly. I'm a little concerned. They make mistakes uh, 
just the same as we do. And usually they're pretty good about fixing it. And sometimes it takes uh, intervention by a duty manager, but the fastest way to fix something is uh, to talk to the uh, talk to the schedulers directly. And then if that's not working, uh, you can escalate it to a chief pilot. But it, at some point, uh, you have to decide if if uh, you're going to just fly it and call us uh, with the issue. And then they may have been right, and we'll be able to tell you that, or they may not have been right. And then that's when you start talking to uh, Charlie's uh, folks about uh, a grievance or or if it's if it's something that can be grieved. Okay, uh, Charlie. Uh, I agree with Scott. Most of these are handled by just uh, knowing the contract, uh, being patient and professional, and knowing the avenue of where to get things resolved. Um, crew pay it does generally does a very good job of uh, catching all of these. They're human though; they make mistakes as well, just like Scott said, um, and they are more than willing to admit when they've made a mistake. Um, but if you you really need to know what you're asking them in order to draw their attention where it needs to go. And that's where the PDRs come in. So if you've already been down the road with them and they have denied what you think is correct, then that it's fine to come ask us to double check. And then again, we can escalate it if necessary. All right. Well, I would like to take the time to thank everyone here, Scott Gilhoff and Charlie Kamiski. I would like to especially thank all the listeners out there for being engaged. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. Right Report, a podcast from the Master Executive Council of JetBlue Alpha for the union pilots of JetBlue.